Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. I got the, the large coffee today. So anytime you see me with the large coffee, usually meant one of my two kids kept me up all night. So, but I'm here, I'm well, and I'm excited uh, for the word that I believe God has for all of us today. We close out our Stay Calm series today uh, with a topic um, that the reality is all of us face in some way, shape, or form um, different seasons of our life and that suffering. And But before I get into that, um, I just want to remind us of really what has been the central scripture of this entire series, and it comes from Exodus 14, 14, and it says, stay calm because the Lord will fight for you. And that promise was not just for the Israelites in that moment. That promise is for every single one of us. And we've heard countless testimonies of people that have been blessed by this series and blessed by that truth. And hopefully uh, you'll be blessed by uh, this truth here this morning as well. So uh, how many of us work out on a consistent basis? Hands. Oh, good. More than last night, that's for sure. Uh, How many of you work out on an occasion? All right. Now, how many of you, with the whole thought of even just driving by a gym, makes you cramp and feel sore? And Yeah. See, I used to work out a lot, and then I kind of just, you know, fell away from it just with, you know, kids and everything else like that. But I didn't realize how much I had not worked out uh, until this past men's advance when we played probably the most intense game of dodgeball that would make our elementary school selves proud. Um, I can definitely say that the week following that, not day, the week following that, it literally, I couldn't move. Every single muscle in my body hurt. I had to literally get out of my car by pulling my legs up into the seat. Uh, Just to put pants on, felt like I was ripping every muscle in my body. And I'm pretty sure an old lady had to help me cross the street. So, uh, so it showed me that, you know, I really needed to get back uh, into working out. But for all of you worker outers, yes, that is a word. I made it up. So, uh, you know, you guys know that in order to build muscle, in order to uh, see muscle grow and to become stronger, the whole process of working out is actually breaking the muscle down so that it then builds up bigger and stronger. And that's an interesting concept that you actually have to really put your body through a rigorous workout routine in order to strengthen it. And the reality that I want us to look at this morning is the fact that a season of suffering can feel just like the most intense workout. But the reality is that intense season of suffering is actually producing in us a stronger and bigger faith if we allow it. So I just want to keep that concept at the forefront of our minds as we get into the message uh, this morning. Um, But first, uh, I would love for us to pray together. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this time together, Lord. I believe that you have a word for us here, God, so that we can actually change our mentalities about how we see seasons of suffering and how we see you in the midst of it. God, I pray, Lord, that that you would just tear down any false idea that we have about any of it, Lord. And I just pray that you would bring us your truth, your wisdom, and your guidance here this morning, Father. We pray that you would be glorified and praised in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So a lot of you know, but probably most of you don't. For the past seven years, uh, my wife has been going through probably, uh, well, not probably, what I know to be the biggest uh, season of suffering that she's ever faced. And then with her being the woman that I love, the biggest season of suffering that I've ever faced. And she has had, uh, it's been grueling. Uh, and I usually don't get into too much detail about it because the fact is there's so many layers to it. There's so many depths to what she's been through that it would take uh, an entire day to really fill you in. And I only get 20-something minutes up here. But I'm just going to try to touch upon a few key points because the reality is a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about here this morning, God's trying to teach us these very same things uh, through this season of suffering. And so I'm just going to kind of fill you in on a couple of details and then really what God has been teaching us. So hopefully uh, you can relate. So uh, seven years ago, we started dating. And uh, a couple months into dating, she just started to get uh, random allergic reactions. Um, they started off small. We thought maybe she just had come in contact with something. We thought, you know, maybe there's something new that she ate that we just didn't know what it was that she was allergic to. Um, but they started to get more intense over time. Uh, and they started to take on weird manifestations. You know, I, I remember she would say, it feels like my blood is boiling underneath my skin. Uh they would continue to get worse, and she would say, you know, I, I have brain fog. I just feel, like, so confused and disoriented. We would be out somewhere, and all of a sudden, she would just need to sit down, and, and we would go home, and she would sleep for hours at a time. And so we started to really research what in the world is happening, what in the world is going on. We would see doctors. They didn't know what was causing it. They would do blood tests. They didn't know what was causing these crazy allergic reactions. And it just seemed uh, there was so much that we were just trying to figure out. I mean, we looked at, honestly, everything. I mean, even Googling, can you be allergic to a person, thinking that maybe it was me. Uh, true thing is, you can't actually be allergic to someone. That's really strange, but luckily she was not allergic to me. But in the midst of all of this, we're praying and we're seeking God to just trying to figure out why this season of suffering. And, and again, these allergic reactions were intense. I mean, we kind of maybe had this idea, oh, an allergic reaction, but they literally put her down for the count. So painful to the point where she would be in tears, by, be unable to move. And we just felt helpless. We felt like nothing was really changing. We were praying, and, and we were trusting God, but nothing was really changing in our present. And I, I did. I just felt absolutely helpless. I felt like I couldn't do anything to help her. Um, in the midst of all this, we get engaged, and then we get married. And on our wedding day, uh, we're both reading our Bible separately, and, and I felt like God gave me a word on our wedding day from Joshua 1.9. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I thought, okay, you know, God's prepping me to just be a husband, to be a leader of my family, to lead my family in him. But he gives Kristen the scripture from Isaiah and it says, it pleased him to bruise his son. And so I'm like, man, is he prepping her for a really bad marriage with me? Is he saying, kind of trying to warn her with that? But the reality was God was trying to prep us for the season of marriage that we were about to enter into. Because the next four years were a lot worse than what we had been through. And so he was trying to get us to trust in him through it. 
And so uh, we get married, and things just get worse. Uh, it gets so intense. There were days she couldn't get out of bed. Taking a shower felt like needles on her body. Uh, sleep was non-existent. Um, her body would break out in sores that were just open to where, I mean, we would have to change her shirt three times through the night just because it was so uh, soaked with what was coming out of her. And and then we were just losing it. We're, this was a suffering that I couldn't even comprehend. We, we didn't even know what was going on. The only two things that seemed to help was when we would visit a doctor, they would give her a steroid, but you can only stay on steroids for seven to ten days because any longer than that, it does damage to your body. Or she got this control cream because she worked at Ulta, and it was this cream that just seemed to, she would put it on, and it would work amazing. A couple days later, she would stop using it, and again, it would come back, and then she ran out of it, So, and they stopped making it. So those are the only two things that worked, but anything else didn't. And so she was having to suffer and to suffer and to suffer. And like I said, we prayed and we prayed, and we had to make the conscious decision, God, we don't know why this is happening, but we are going to choose to trust in you. We are going to choose to trust that you are good, and we're going to choose to believe that you are going to work all of this together for good. We don't know how, but we are believing that you are. And finally, in the midst of this season, we do hear from heaven. So she's praying, and she feels like God brings that magic control cream up to her mind, that cream that she ran out of that uh, just works so well. We Google it, and what comes up on Google was lawsuit, 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 lawsuit. And we do a little digging, and apparently there were two medical-grade steroids snuck into this cream. And she had been putting that all over her body, and really it was what was happening was uh, her body was trying to, every time she would stop using it, it was trying to heal itself. It was trying to recover. And just like a, a drug addict that goes off of, a drug and tries to quit it cold turkey, the body starts to then reject itself in the midst of healing. And so the reality was she had what is called topical steroid withdrawal. And so instead of using a steroid for seven to 10 days like you're supposed to, she had been using it for five years. And so the recovery time when you completely stop steroids is one to three. And so right now, complete end of steroid use, she's at one and a half years. And so um, even just last night, you know, she has good days and she has bad days, and so she's still struggling, but God is good. Even in the midst of all of this suffering, he is still good. That doesn't change. Um, but what we had to realize and we had to in, come to the grips with was so much other than we were praying for her physical healing. We wanted to see everything outward change. But if we look back on the season and the suffering that we were going through, God was changing so much internally. The season exposed the fear that I was dealing with. And God unearthed that, hey, there is fear and not faith that you're operating in. There is a strength that you are wanting to be strong and you're wanting to be there for her in your own strength and your own capacity. When I want to rid you of your own strength so that you trust in mine. He was producing in her, you know, she just wanted to be able to be a mom. She just wanted to be able to, to be a wife. And she found, and God showed her, that her identity was wrapped up in those things. So when she wasn't able to be those things, she felt like less of a person when God wanted her to find her identity in him, knowing that she is exactly who 
he created her to be, even in the midst of not being able to do things that most normal people would do. So God was moving and God was teaching and really going back to that whole steroid use, the reality was she would go off the steroids and the body was healing her itself. So the suffering that she was facing was actually bringing about healing. It was the body's way of healing. So then we think back to that scripture that he gave her on our wedding day. It, pre, it pleased me to bruise my son. The reality was the suffering of the cross meant the healing for every single one of us. It meant the victory for every single one of us. Suffering to bring about healing. Suffering to bring about healing. See, we have a choice of how we're going to view our pain. You know, I can look back on all the suffering that my wife has gone through, and I can just focus on that. I can say that sucked. It still sucks. And I can just let it be a dead root in my life. Or I can give it over to God and say, God, let this produce something beautiful. And the reality is that we all have that choice. We all have the, the choice. Kristen and I's suffering on, perspective on suffering was flawed. See, the very thing that we were wanting healing from was the very thing that God was using to bring about an even greater healing with things that we couldn't even see. And I wonder how many of us are so focused on the painful season and are so focused on the, the pain and what we're going through that we're missing what God wants to do in the midst of it. That he is always fighting for us, even when it feels like he's not. Now, Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The reality is, pain and suffering hurts, but we do have the choice of how we're going to respond in the midst of it. We have the ability to be calm, but it all depends on how we view our suffering and how we view God in the midst of it. So I want to look at a few ways that we can stay calm in the midst of suffering. And the first way is to understand that there is purpose in pain. A better way to put it is there can be purpose in pain if I choose to look at it that way. The choice is ours. Now I want to look at the story of Job for a second. And if there is anyone in the Bible that knows a thing or two about suffering, it is Job. Uh, by all accounts, Job was a great guy. Uh, God even boasts to Satan about Job, saying, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, blameless and an upright man, who fears God and turns away from evil? You know, what a description from God. I want God to say those things about me. But the enemy kind of pushes back here against God. And he says, Of course he worships you. Of course he serves you. He's blessed. He, he's this great man. He has everything that he could possibly need. I guarantee you if you take away his possessions, take away his health, take away the things that he loves, I guarantee you he'll turn his back on you. And so what does God do? God being all-knowing and all-powerful all and knowing what the outcome will be, God says, okay, take, it, take all those things away, but don't kill him. So God allows Satan to take away everything that Job loves and puts him through immense emotional and physical pain. Now, before we say, man, that's, that's kind of messed up. Like, I, I can't believe God would let the enemy do that, especially to a good person. Well, for starters, the reason God did that was to demonstrate that God has all authority over the enemy. 
Job still praised God in the midst of that season of suffering. And what that did was give a gut punch to the enemy. And the reality is we look at Job and we see no other word spoken by the enemy in the rest of that book. Because Job's praise silenced him. But here's the second reason. As we continue deeper into Job's story, we see that Job doesn't get healed right away. See, and through this process, Job goes then from praising God to wavering in faith, then to complaining to God. And on top of that, he is absolutely the worst friends in the world. They come and console him by saying, you know what, uh, Job, all this has to be happening because you, you have to have some sin in your life. If you have friends like that, run the other way because that is not a comforting friend. But those friends also expose the second reason God allowed this. Because Job's response to them is that, you know what? No, I do not deserve what I'm going through. I am a good person. And he starts to list off all of these reasons why he shouldn't be going through this season. And that's what God points to. See, there was a hidden pride within Job. Job's confidence was in his righteousness and not in the righteousness that comes from God. And that would not have been unearthed if Job hadn't been put through this season of suffering. God wanted to perfect Job's righteousness in him. You see, that's, that's the amazing thing about being put through the fire. God loves us too much to allow us to remain in our weaknesses, no matter what the weakness is, be it a wrong thinking or be it something in our life that is a hindrance from being all that he has created us to be. God wants to remove those things, and he knows what it will take to bring us to that place. You know, I love what 1 Peter 7 says in the message. It says, pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps all of this up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. There can be purpose in pain. And sometimes God wants to use suffering as the vessel to bring about a deeper healing. He wants to bring forth those deep parts within you that have been buried, the wounds and the lies you've believed. He wants, you to, he wants to give you a stronger faith, a deeper joy, and a greater revelation of his goodness. And sometimes we have to be put through the fires of suffering in order for us to receive the fullness in Christ that our souls long for. To cast away those things that hinder us in that walk. And Job wasn't the only one that came to this realization. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Corinthians 12 says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, or really my knowledge of God, a thorn was given me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, suffering. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul said he understood his suffering was to humble himself and ensure that his dependence was not on his own strength, but was on the strength and wisdom that came from God. And just like Job, God allowed the enemy to come against Paul to bring about a greater purpose. 
The enemy wants nothing more than to make us suffer so that we lose faith. But God wants to use the very thing that the enemy means for harm to work together for good, to enhance our faith, and to make it stronger. God wants us to be dependent on him, not ourselves. And the expression that God won't give us more than we can handle is actually inaccurate. God absolutely will give us more than we can handle so that we don't do it in our own strength, but that we trust in him. So what is actually more accurate is that God will not give us more than he can handle. Follow me? See, Paul reaffirms that there is purpose in pain in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Sometimes you won't see the purpose and the pain until long after the season is over. And sometimes we won't even see the purpose until we stand with Jesus in heaven. But we have to trust that it can produce fruit as we give it to God. Just like the pain of working out, there's a purpose in it. Sometimes we see immediate results, but most often we see results over time. But we know that something is being produced. But here's the deal. While God allows suffering, he does not cause suffering. Sometimes our suffering is brought on by the free will of others or even by our own free will. And even then, God can and will produce something beautiful from, beautiful from the ashes if we surrender it to him. But we will not be able to stay calm in the midst of suffering if we don't trust the God that is fighting for us. And that brings us to the second thing that we have to understand, and that is God is always good, all the time, no matter what. God is always good. And this might be the biggest challenge that we face in the midst of suffering. See, if God is good, how can he allow this? If God is good, then why does a child die from cancer? Why did that person get raped? Why did I lose everything I have? And these are legitimate questions. But the first thing that we have to understand is that the world that we live in was not God's original design. Pain and suffering was never a part of God's plan. Free will was. And it was Adam and Eve's free will that allowed sin to enter this world. Disease, greed, hate, murder, sexual morality, none of this was God's plan. These things are, are not of God. But because of sin, they are of the world. And until we go home to heaven, we are subject to the confines of this world. Which means that we can be affected by others' free will. And our free will can affect others. But here's the silver lining. Because of Jesus, we have the ability to overcome our suffering, whatever and whoever it is caused by. We have a hope that is now directly inserted into our deepest pain, a hope that will walk us through the fire, that will strengthen us and renew our weary souls. And even if our suffering ends in death, which is a reality that we are all going to have to face one day, we have the hope of eternal life in heaven to all of us that put our hope and faith in Jesus. Paul says in Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And this echoes what Jesus said in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. 
Because in the world there we, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Unfortunately, suffering is a part of this sovereign world. I mean, a part of this fallen world. But we have to trust in the sovereignty and the goodness of God. See, Dr. Norman Geisler defines that word sovereignty as God's rule over reality. In other words, God is above whatever reality it is that you are facing right now. In other words, it, it, when our reality seems like it's out of control, God is still in control. He is above our reality and lives in a reality that we won't see or fully understand until we're in heaven. So what might look like death on earth in reality could look like life in heaven. What might look like struggle here might look like victory in heaven. You know, we can't fathom the purposes that rest within the will of God, but we can trust that his will is good because God is good all the time. I mean, isn't this the cross? Because the cross looked like death, but it was a lifeline for us all. See, what didn't make sense in our reality was actually heaven's plan to restore us and to bring us home, and it made perfect sense to God. And what amazes me is that even when we bring suffering on ourselves, God can work that together for good if we humble ourselves, ask for forgiveness, and allow his grace and his mercy to then overflow in those areas. We have to see the fallen nature of this world, but above it, the goodness and faithfulness of God. God is good all the time. You know, I know that there is an immense amount of suffering in this church right now, and in many different areas. And in the heat of the fire, I know that it's hard to feel anything but the pain, and it can feel like nothing makes sense. But I want to encourage you to pray through and to praise through. Even when it hurts, praise. Even when it makes no sense, praise. Which brings me to my last point, and that is praise louder and love louder. Psalm 28.7 says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song, I give thanks to him. That is a praise in the midst of suffering. See, when my wife and I were in the deepest, darkest wilderness, we were in the, the worst part of this season. We felt like we couldn't do anything but praise. But here's an amazing thing. There was something powerful about just sitting at the piano and praising God and, and praising the, his word back to him. Getting our minds and our hearts and every cell in our bodies aligned with his promises, aligned with his truth. Praising him in the midst of the pain. Singing about how we are choosing to trust in him. Choosing to believe in him no matter what. And through that, God began to bring peace to our spirits. It got the focus off of ourselves, and it got the focus off of our circumstances, and it got our focus on him, which gave no room for the enemy to speak lies because we were proclaiming truth. I don't care if you can play an instrument. I don't care if you can sing. If you are in a season of suffering, go home, lock yourself in your room, and just cry out to God. Just cry at the top of your lungs. Open his word. Sing the psalms to him. Uh, open his word and just say the promises back to him. Align yourself with his word and his truth. And as you do that, I promise you, peace and rest 
will begin to comfort your heart because you are then put, choosing to look at the God that is fighting for you instead of listening to the lies that the enemy is trying to speak about your season of suffering. Because the circumstance does not change anything about him. But God will use the circumstance to change and produce so much good in us. Praise is the voice of faith. And when we worship him, we are choosing to trust in him. And we are declaring that he is good. And we are choosing to stay calm and rest in his truth that he is fighting our battles. But just as Jesus commands us to love him with all of our hearts, he also commands us to love others. So our love for others should actually grow louder in our season of suffering as well. Because see, suffering has a beautiful way of producing empathy. And God surely wants to use that. You know, I love what Pastor Levi Lusco says. He says, pain is a microphone. Hard times are a passport that gives you permission to go places you wouldn't go any other way. God will use your pain to give you a platform in the lives to minister to others. How much different would our views about our suffering be if we saw it as an opportunity to bring hope to Jesus in the midst of a similar situation that they're going through? Someone that's lost. What if our suffering could actually lead to someone else's salvation? Because people are hurting now more than ever. There is so much suffering in this world. How amazing will it, it be for your suffering to then be a vessel, to then be able to go to this hurting and dying world and proclaim the truth of Jesus and the promises of God over them saying, you know what? I know what will get you through, and it is Jesus. I know what got me through. I know what it produced in me. Jesus led me through it, and Jesus will lead you through it. That's an amazing opportunity. That's an amazing door. How many times when we're going through something, does it feel like no one knows what we're going through? And no one, no one knows the pain that I'm experiencing right now. But imagine if someone said that to you, and through the season of suffering, you can go to them. You can be like, actually, I do. I do. And here's how you get through it. It's powerful. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. Get this. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Man. Paul says God comforts us in our affliction, not just for us, but that so we may be able to comfort others. Praise louder and love louder. This has been an incredible series. I mean, it really has. And we've talked about so many areas that we struggle with and that we need to remain calm in the face of. Maybe you've connected with suffering today or, or maybe you've connected with one of the other topics. But the truth of all of this is that God is good, that we can find peace in the midst of everything as we trust in the God that is fighting for us. You know, again, our key scripture was from Exodus 14, and it says, uh, stay calm. God is fighting for you. And God kind of puts an exclamation point on this three chapters later. Uh, the Israelites are going out to a battle against the Amalekites. And God tells Moses, Moses, I want you to go stand on top of the mountain. I want you to look out at the battlefield. And I want you to hold up your staff. And as long as you hold up that staff, the Amalekites will be defeated. The second you drop that staff, the Israelites will be defeated. So 
Moses, in obedience, goes up to the top of the hill, holds the staff up, and sure enough, Israelites start to defeat the Amalekites. But as his arms get tired, as he starts to, to drop that staff, the Israelites began to be defeated. So his brother Aaron and her come, and they hold his arms up so that he can hold that staff up and not let it go down. And sure enough, the Israelites had the victory over the battle that day. The purpose in this, God wants every single one of us to know whatever it is that we are going through. God is the one that is fighting our battle. God is the one that has victory. It is not our own strength. It is nothing that we do that is going to change our circumstances for good. It is trusting in our almighty God, in our almighty creator, the one that goes before us. The Israelites knew God that day after that battle as Jehovah Nisi, which is the Lord, our banner. So think about that. When you go through anything in life, any season, that banner now hangs over you as a, as a child of God, knowing that God is fighting for me. God is for me, and he goes before me fighting my battles. So whatever it is that you've connected with in this series, whatever topic, I want you to go, and I want you, when you experience that season, whatever it is, choose to rest in him. Will you stand to your feet with me? So we're going to worship, and then I'll close out in prayer. But let's declare that as children of God, sons and daughters, that we have victory, that we no longer have to be held to bondage of fear. We no longer have to be held to, to any bondage that we face because we are children of God. So let's worship. Let's praise him. Let's declare his truth over our lives. And then I'll close out in prayer. Cause I am a child 
of God. Sing out again. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. Cause I am a child of God. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. Cause I am a child of God. Is the truth for us all. I am surrounded by the arms of the Father. I am surrounded by songs of deliverance. We father god 
your blood now flows through our veins as we have put our faith and our trust in you, God. God, knowing that you are the God that goes before us, that fights our battles, God. All we have to do is rest, not in our own strength, but in your goodness, Father, in your might and your power. And God, I pray this morning, Father, if there was someone that does not know that they are your son and daughter right now, Father, I pray that you will begin speaking to their hearts, soften their hearts right now to your spirit, Father God, to your presence. And if that is you this morning, you don't know God yet as your heavenly Father, make the decision right now in this moment to become his child. He's been pursuing you your whole life. And he wants you to know that he is fighting for you. He is for you. He's not against you. Doesn't matter what you've done in your life. Doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how bad things have been. He is still for you and he still wants a relationship with you. So if you want to know him as your heavenly father here this morning, pray this prayer with me. God, I know that I am a sinner. Father, Forgive me for my sins. God, I trust in you. I believe that you went to the cross and died for my sins. That your blood now covers all of my sins and washes them away. And I believe that you rose again three days later, victorious over the grave. So now I can be victorious and live eternally with you, God. God, come into my life. Lead me. Have every area of my life take control, Lord. For I am now a son or a daughter of the Most High King. Lead me, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in my life. If that is you, and you just prayed that prayer, there's a celebration in heaven going on, and now you are a son and daughter. The old is gone. You are now a new creation in Christ. So if you prayed that prayer just as a declaration that, yes, I am a child of God, on the count of three, just throw your hand up. One. Jesus died for you so that you did not have to live in defeat, but so that you could live in victory. Two, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Go out in faith, proclaiming him wherever. Three, lift your hand all over the auditorium. God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you, God, for these people that you now welcome into your kingdom, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to just lead them and guide them. Help them, Father God, to go out and live this life surrendered to you, knowing that you are our mighty God, our faithful God, who is fighting for us. Thank you, Jesus, for all that has taken place here this morning, God. God, be with all of my brothers and sisters in this room, God. Just continue to pour out your great love upon them in whatever season that they are in. God, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. Thank you for being a part of this great series. Come back next week as we kick off another amazing one. 
Invite a friend. It truly will make the difference in their lives. We love you guys, and we'll see you right back here next weekend. Thank you.